This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, family. Thank you for joining me for yet another episode of Making Shift Happen. Today, episode 61, we're going to be talking about how the hell do you overcome fear after a crash? And by crash, I mean mountain biking. Although I will admit, uh, a few days ago, I did <laughs> I did have a sliding into home base type of crash while running of all freaking things. Yes, running with my two feet. I was also running with my dog. So let's just say dog got in the way. Milo didn't know any better. He was excited. Um, and yeah, I went ass over tea kettle and just literally slid. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to have to share this as a reel on Instagram just because it's, it's comedic to me. It's funny. And, and if you know me, I laugh at all of my antics. I laugh at all of my crashes and just my lack of coordination sometimes. All of that to say that I can be fairly experienced in the world of crashing. Um, But I think that this is something that a lot of mountain bikers experience, and we know all too well what that feels like in terms of crashing when things start to shift and you do start to go over the handlebars or, you know, you slide out or fall over just trying to unclip. Whatever that crash is, I think a lot of us can, can... relate to it. You know, we all know what that feeling is like. And I think that having a fear after a crash is healthy because I really truly believe that the main issue is the desire of wanting to completely remove fear, which is almost impossible to do as humans. I mean, hell, even pro downhillers and pro mountain bikers, such as Remy Metellier, like, they they talk consistently about how they have a healthy dose of fear going into many things, going into many obstacles and, and trails and features, but they don't necessarily focus on the feeling of fear and instead they focus on the feeling that they can do something and that they they focus more on their management of the fear and how to really clear their mind a little bit more effectively. And today, the purpose of today's episode is really to help you you know, shed some light on some tips and tricks that they have shared over the years. Other pro downhillers I've heard, um, pros that I've worked with as well. I've had uh, two individuals who, one of them was a pro uh, mountain biker. And, you know, separately, both of them have shared a couple of different YouTube videos. And it's funny because also some of these YouTube videos are very popular among my clients too. You know, they share them with one another. (laughs) I fucking love my team, just to let you know. Like, seriously, my Shred Strong team and athletes and even just my one-on-one clients that I work with, they're so phenomenal because they follow one another. I can't put into words how much I appreciate you all for supporting one another. You know, I just heard a couple of days ago that, you know, one of my personal clients shared a, a video that really helps her with fear and handling. And it is actually one of the videos that one of the pros shared with me when I was having a hard time. Um, 
And it's a video by, by Remy. It's a YouTube video. And, you know, I'll link it in the show notes. And because I think it's really important for you to, to see how a pro talks about it. And a lot of what I'm going to be sharing in this podcast episode is going to be reminiscent of things that Remy and others have talked about. And that's because there's a reason that these individuals are professional bikers. They know how to handle fear. They know how to manage that fear. And, you know, ultimately... Courage is truly the act of feeling fear, but showing up anyways, okay? I think sometimes we think that courage is truly the absence of fear, 100%, and that's just not the case. It is truly just the act of feeling fear, but showing up anyways, okay? Now, the main crash that I'm going to be thinking about and reflecting upon for me in this episode is one that's more of the fresher crashes for me. And it's one of the crashes that I actually injured myself in the most, uh, personally. Now I know we all each have our own unicorn of a crash that we love to talk about and that we love to reminisce about or don't love to reminisce about. Um, it's normal to think about that crash and to reflect upon it constantly, uh, especially for a shorter period of time directly after the crash, but also, especially if you are in a, in a similar scenario that is very reminiscent of that particular crash. Okay, so for me, my crash happened in Snowmass a couple of years ago. I think it was like, what was it, 2018 or 2019? I think it was, God, I can't even remember. Um, I guess that's a good sign if I can't remember the exact year that it happened in. I think it was actually 2019. And the issue with it, um, it was actually a very stupid crash. It was a very simple crash. I had my bike, you know, I had my Yeti SB5. I had just gotten it and I had finally upgraded to more of a trail bike, okay? Before that, I had more of a cross-country style bike, an old Trek Lush, uh, 27 and a half inch wheels for both bikes. So that wasn't a difference. However, the geometry was very different on the Yeti. The Trek Lush was a little bit more upright, not as aggressive, you know, the Yeti, a little bit more aggressive, but it was a friendlier geometry for me. I actually really enjoyed it, especially when it did come to all mountain type of riding. So, or like trail type of riding. And so keep in mind that I did get this bike. Yeah, I got it in July, uh, late July birthday present for myself a few years ago. Loved it. Um, shout out to Yeti Cycles. You all make phenomenal bikes, especially bikes that at least fit my frame. And they're playful as hell. Holy hell. This bike literally just wants to jump. And I, however, am not a jumper. I, I drop, you know, a little bit. I will say I, I don't really drop anything more than two feet uh, because that's kind of past my comfort zone for me. All right. I'm 42. I just like to keep all of my bones intact. All right. I need my body in order to do my, my job in order to show clients how to do certain things. And I personally cannot really imagine having to go through things and having to describe things, which I think I would have an okay time doing it, but it would just be a challenge for me to have to describe things verbally when it comes to movement. Um, so anyways, long story short, I, I digress. I just like to do little drops, maybe little baby jumps, nothing crazy. My bike, however, wants to jump. It just is very playful. And I love that about that bike because if I take it to the bike park, it truly does want to get off the ground. Like it wants to launch. And I am not a very uh, heavy rider. Like I'm, I'm a very uh, small individual. <laughs> I'm only five to two, maybe about 120 pounds or so. And it just, the bike just wants to go. All right. It just wants to lift. Um, Will I learn how to jump? 
Yeah, sure. Eventually. Am I going to do anything crazy? No, I legit have no desire to do anything crazy in terms of, or anything wild in terms of jumping. You know, I really just don't have a desire to do that. It's just not in my, I don't know how to explain it. Like I just have no desire and that is fine. That doesn't make me any less of a mountain biker than someone who does cross country biking. We're all mountain bikers. We all love dirt. We all love, chances are we all love the sound of dirt underneath our wheels. That makes us and me, you, a mountain biker. So embrace that identity. All right. So that's one thing I wanted to get out of the way. Keep in mind this crash snowmass was at a race doing the Rider to Racer program with Vita MTB series, which FYI, that's going to be opening up soon for enrollment in 2022. Stay tuned. It's going to be led by a former pro, an awesome individual, Ann Gallian. Uh, I can link the page in the show notes. I'll try to remember that. I might have to add that to my notes since I'm going off script right now. Um, but just to let you know, it's a fun program. If you're ever interested in racing, the Rider to Racer program really does take you from the beginning, you know, and it helps you with mindset, helps you with bike setup and equipment and helps answer questions about nutrition and hydration. Uh, there's a, a phenomenal RD that we, that registered dietitian, oh, having a hard time talking, registered dietitian that we work with. And, you know, and then there's me, I'm doing the strength component and training of, you know, for all the racers and giving you all a strength program to follow. It's just a lot of fun. So I was there. I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to learn how to ride enduro style because I'm a cross country person. Never really did enduro. I'm. Uh, it's it's it seems very romantic to me. Uh, not romantic in love in terms of love. I mean, it just seems it seems fun. Like it's it's a very uh, ideal type of riding to just ride down a mountain. Cool, <laughs> you know, uh, with jumps and drops not necessary. So bought this bike did the rider to racer program, which does include one day trail skill building with Ian Gallian as the coach, uh, as well as another coach, usually from Vita MTB series and did it, had a lot of fun that first day, second day, unfortunately that night, Saturday night, I had food poisoning, um, woke up on and off between like, God, I don't even remember one or two in the morning to about four in the morning. And just was, it was ugly. It was just coming out both ends. Let's just put it that way. It was not very comfortable. Uh, did not get a wink of sleep, maybe about an hour of sleep, two tops. I was supposed to race on Sunday and woke up the next day. Uh, you know, I'm kind of one of these people I'll, I'll push myself, but man, I woke up Sunday. I felt like hell. And I also still had to like pack my car and everything. Uh, cause we were checking out just couldn't, I didn't feel like eating. I tried to eat. Um, breakfast is my favorite meal of the day and especially my breakfast before races. That is like my favorite freaking meal of the day other than the meal after the race, of course. Let's just say I was having a hard time, like just feeling like I could put food down. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I am going to be racing my first enduro race in my life on an empty stomach. I'm already starting to feel like I'm bonking. Like I was actually already shaking. My hands were kind of shaking. I'm thinking, fuck, I need to, I need to probably pull out of this race, but let me just go ahead and at least try the first, the first bit, because it's, it's a bunch of like cornering, uh, which is not my forte, especially with this new bike. That was a kind of mistake. Number one is I bought this bike and literally I bought it in July and August was our race, like two weeks later, maybe three weeks. So brand new bike, all this stuff. Um, 
wasn't even, you know, completely used to the dropper pose, just a lot of stuff, right? So I hadn't really figured out the suspension perfectly for me. I mean, there was a lot kind of going against me and then the food poisoning on top of it didn't really set me up for greatest success, but you know, I'm all about having the experience. First stage went well. I was completely bonking. Like I, at one point, I think I blacked out like in the middle of that, <laughs> middle of that uh, segment and it was fine. It was fine. I made it to the finish line, crossed it. Once we got, and we did the, the shuttle up, transfer up to the second stage, I hit a wall and I was unfortunately at the top of the mountain in Snowmass. And I remember turning to Anne and a couple other person and I was like, you know, I just something, I don't know if I should do this. Like, I'm just not feeling it. And of course, you know, total got, got total support, whatever I needed to do. And just to keep in mind, I can walk it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to probably end up walking a lot of this. Uh, had Jackie who was tailing me, um, Jackie Shea, shout out to you. And she was a coach, a fellow coach that weekend. She was behind me. She was sweeping the course. I gave her a heads up, like, dude, you're going to catch me. I would postpone your start as long as you can, because I am not feeling it. Uh, there was like every bit of me that just wanted to take the, the tram down. So, or the gondola down rather. And I opted not to, because, you know, I just didn't feel like quitting. Should have in retrospect, but it's fine. Now I know. That's the catch, is now I know what to do. Now I know that I, I probably should have just hung my hat and said, yeah, we're good. I'm going to save this for another day because I am not in a place mentally, physically, emotionally, really, uh, to do this next stage, which is unfortunate because man, I was so jazzed Saturday felt pretty good. My cornering was actually getting a little bit better. Uh, FYI back then my cornering absolutely blew chunks. So, you know, it was one of those situations where I just need to be more comfortable on my bike and I need it to honestly not have food poisoning. So now I know, and now I know how to kind of recognize those cues. So it was a learning experience, but that is going to be the, the crash that I, that I talk about and how the crash is. I'm walking a lot of the sections, especially moon dust. There was a lot of moon dust on this side of the mountain and it was soft. It was definitely uneasy, uh, you know, for me to get my bearings cause I was dizzy. I was actually starting to hallucinate at this point. Um, yeah, it was not, I was in, it was not my best condition <laughs> that I've ever been in, in my life. Let's put it that way, but I'm still having fun, enjoying the views. You know, there is, that is one thing about me is I will try to find a silver lining, even if I'm ready to like throw up on the side of the trail. Um, and it's beautiful. If you've ever been to Snowmass, it is absolutely gorgeous. I don't care how bad you're feeling, you know, unless you're have a, unless you're concussed or something, if you just had a major head injury, great. Yeah. You're not going to have a good time, but I was at least able to kind of take in the views while I was walking my bike and got a little bit less rowdy. So I got on the bike, was going through some switchbacks and I thought I heard someone behind me. And of course it's, it's, it's good trail etiquette, race etiquette to pull off to the side. So I pulled off to the side Jackie's behind me and she's like, Hey, what's up? You okay? I'm like, Oh yeah, sorry. I totally thought there was someone behind us, you know, saying, Hey, you know, coming rider coming up, whatever. There was no one. So I started again in the middle of like a switchback and got some pedal strokes in. I was made, I wasn't even going like more than 15 miles per hour. Like I wasn't even going that fast. Right. Um, and totally endoed. You know, I, I wasn't able to get the dropper down again. Keep in mind, I was completely delirious, hallucinating, not feeling great. Just didn't have the wherewithal to put my dropper down. 
Uh, and also now in retrospect, I know the dropper needed to actually drop lower. So I needed to have a different size dropper because I'm incredibly short. My inseam is only like 27 and a half inches. So, uh, unfortunately went over dove Superman landed on my right arm up over my head and Superman out. Um, and I could feel my shoulder joint give didn't completely dislocate. I thought it actually had at some point and then went back in because that's what that joint felt like in that moment. So stood up, thought, okay, I just broke my clavicle. You know, this is cool. And of course, being a trainer and being familiar with anatomy, you're thinking, what can I do to test myself? Not a doctor, but still I know enough to be dangerous. I shrugged. So I shrugged my shoulders. I looked at Jackie, first of all, you know, we got my bike out of the way. I wasn't quite in pain yet, but I knew something had happened to that shoulder because it went away that it shouldn't go. The joint shouldn't go. Tested, shrugged. Okay, cool. I could shrug. Clavicle's not broken. Awesome. And then I started to palpate, you know, and she was even looking at me and like feeling around, just making sure, you know, no bones were protruding or anything like that. And I told her, I was like, but I can tell you, I can almost guarantee you my right shoulder, I tore something. Like I, I just know it. Now I know, okay, I tore my labrum and my right shoulder, a little bit of rotator cuff uh, involvement, and also some involvement in the neck. So C5, C6, for any of you in, in familiar with anatomy, had a little bit of involvement with that, which causes some numbness and tingling and things like that down the arm. About five minutes later, as we're walking the bikes down, because uh, I tap out, like I can't even ride at that point, and uh, she's walking my bikes down like a pro, and pain starts to hit. And I'm thinking, oh man, all right. And you just kind of like go, you can't help but reflect on the crash and what happened and what you could do differently. And that is step number one. Like that's what you should be doing. Uh, it's actually not step number one and tip number one in these 10 tips that I'm going to be giving you today, but that's a little bit of a rundown of the crash, you know? Ultimately, it was an equipment issue as well as like user error, massive user error, because I wasn't familiar with the bike, didn't really, like it had no wherewithal, I wasn't well fueled. There was a lot kind of going against me, but that's the crash that I generally reflect upon and I've worked on with an actual sports therapist, a sports psychologist. So today I want you to, you know, think about your worst crash, the crash that is fresh in your mind and think about that while I'm talking about this, all right? So 10 tips today to help you kind of get over that hurdle and build some resilience to help you overcome your fear after a crash. Because again, we don't want to do away with fear because fear is actually a good thing. Fear is what keeps us alive, but we need to learn how to manage fear. And there are some steps that you can take to help manage fear. All right. So step number one, depending on the severity of the crash, make sure that you heal up and make sure that you you get to full recovery. So don't try to push your recovery just so you can get back on the trail. Make sure that you're fully recovered. Tip number two, reflect on what you learned from the crash. Could be equipment, maybe your own abilities and skills, uh, braking technique, could be a variety of things. But like I, like I told you earlier about my particular crash, I took a moment, I reflected on what I learned from the crash, and I got some input from other people who are specialists with equipment. You know, Lindsay, one of my friends, Lindsay, she, she and I were riding a couple months later after my crash in uh, Washington state and she was behind me and fortunately she works for PNW. So shout out to Lindsay. She's like, Jen, dude, 
um, I need to get you on a different dropper post. Like that dropper post does not slam all the way down for your short ass. <laughs> and keep in mind, Lindsay's tall. Uh, we're like complete opposites. And I was thinking, oh man, okay, I'm so glad you said something, Lindsay, because I actually felt that way. But I personally am not a technique. I'm not a technical type of person. Like I don't really know equipment very well. That is not my forte. My forte is strength and training and just having a shit ton of fun on the bike. Those are my specialties. It will take me working with someone who is skilled with technical stuff and equipment to work with them, you know, but they need to, they also need to be a certain type of person. Okay. I don't need someone telling me, oh, you need to use this equipment. You need to use these brakes. You know, like this is the only set of brakes that you can use. No, ask me some questions first. Pretend like you're taking me on a, on a biking date here. You know, get to know me. Don't just tell me you're, you're want me, wanting me to use equipment because that's the equipment you use. Oh, you like hope brakes. You don't like, you know, whatever brakes that I'm using. No, that's, that's a shitty way. There's a shitty way to tell, tell people and give them tips. And then there's also a kind way where you're really taking into consideration their feelings and what their preferences and likes are. So keep that in mind whenever you give folks tips and things like that. Um, but yeah, reflect on the crash, reflect on what you learned from the crash. Maybe it is going to be a matter of you taking clinic, increasing your skills and abilities, maybe changing out some equipment, changing out some, some things on your bike, your fit, things like that. That leads us into tip number three. Are your bike and gear suitable for what you're riding? Is there something maybe that you might need to do to your bike to prevent, you know, another similar crash in the future? And in this regard, think about your brakes. Think about your suspension tuning. Think about the dropper post like I did. Think about your bike fit. If you're too far forward, too far back, I'm going to link my video that I did for setting up your cockpit um, yes, there is an outtakes video, as you can imagine. I might even link that in the show notes, but setting up your cockpit is incredibly important. I do firmly agree with setting up a bike fit, especially if you're not necessarily an average size human being, it can really be beneficial. Of course it can be beneficial to every size human being, but you know, if you need to make some adjustments in your cockpit, you know, whatever the setup is, for you, that would make a huge deal. So those tips number two and three kind of go, could go hand in hand, but your, what you learned from the crash can be completely different based on your, you know, from tip number three, based on your bike and gear and all that other stuff. Okay. Tip number four, give your fear a name. Don't make it elusive to yourself. Identify it. So it's not this amorphous thing that's hanging over your head. You know, what is the main fear that you have after the crash that you had? For me, it was steep ass terrain and not feeling like I was positioning myself effectively on steep terrain uh, to make me not feel like I'm, you know, being thrown forward or thrown back. All right. So give it a name, like break it down. Talk about it. And that leads me into tip number five. Talk about your fear, whether that's with your friends, loved ones, or potentially a professional in mental health. You know, there are actually sports performance therapists, like I talked about earlier, some of whom do one-on-one coaching like I did. A lot of them also do group coaching. So if if one-on-one coaching, which can be pretty expensive per hour, um, if that's not feasible for you financially, then great. Think about someplace that you can actually do some group coaching, you know, small group coaching. Um, you know, some folks that I'm going to share in the show notes too, 
check them out. Some of these folks also just offer tips on mental health and mental strength in sports. And a lot of those tips are very, very relatable to mountain biking and just sports in general. So I'll link some folks in the show notes, but I really recommend that you follow Dr. Lisa Lewis. She's phenomenal. Same with Dawn Fletcher. And then my personal former sports psychologist, Dr. Ricky Walker. She's based in Littleton, Colorado, the Denver area, Colorado. She's phenomenal. But again, it's going to be a matter of how much do you want to spend? What is your budget for this? But I will say, even if you have to do small group coaching, it is something that is phenomenal. It It is something that could really make a big difference because talking to your friends might not be the only way that you can kind of talk through it. You know, some people might have a little bit of PTSD after certain crashes. You need to talk about it. I'm really, I'm very pro mental health when it comes to approaching anything, any dynamic, even when it comes to your own professional or your own performance. So talk about it, whether it's with friends or professional. Tip number six, start out slow. So once you've healed, once you've reflected, once you've figured out your bike and your gear are suitable, you've given your fear a name, you're talking about your fears, preferably you're talking about your fears also with your fellow riders. So the people that you ride with frequently, talk about it with them. Sixth tip is to start out slow. So this is when you're starting to get back on the trail, okay? Ride, ideally, it's best to ride terrain and trails that you are almost 100% comfortable riding on. And the point of this is to build your confidence again by doing so. You're riding things that you can shred all day and that you're comfortable with riding. Maybe even maybe it could be even a little bit more cross-country style trails because I know that's what I did. I rode freaking Green Mountain and North Table just to get myself like back on my two feet um, and feeling better. And... You know, and I did end up writing like some new trails to me out in Washington and things like that. But it it's important to start out on trails that you're confident, you know, don't go for the double black diamonds and the red trails just yet. Maybe start off on some greens and blues. I know it might sound boring, but it can make a real big difference. So start out a little bit slow at first for your first few rides back. Tip number seven is ride with friends who are more skilled at the thing that you need to improve. So Maybe you're like me and you crashed on a switchback. So ideally, ride with folks who are more skilled at riding switchbacks. Whatever the hell it is for you, I don't know. But watch them. Watch your friends. Go through those tougher sections and follow them. Follow their line. Follow their body position. Maybe even ask them what the hell they're doing. Bonus points if you're riding with people who are actually mountain biking coaches, okay? Because they can kind of break it down and break down the position. Even if they're not able to do it necessarily themselves, coaches know how to verbally tell you how to do something and can guide you through it. And a lot of coaches can, even if they're, again, even if they're unable to do it necessarily themselves, they're able to actually look at you and break down the movement because they understand the dynamics of it, all right? But Ideally, riding with people who are able to do these things and are able to do the skills that maybe you're not the best at or that are relatable, like skills related to your crash, your reasons for your crash, that's going to be really, really beneficial for you. All right. So ride with those people and give them a heads up. Don't feel bad. Don't ever. That's the other thing is don't ever say, I'm going to be slow today. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. You're not allowed to tell, to talk about you being in a negative space. All right. You have to finish on a positive note here. So you can give them a heads up. I will say like, give them a heads up. Like, Hey, I'm going to be a little hesitant on X, Y, Z sections, 
I might be breaking a little bit more. Uh, could you maybe wait it, wait for me at the next junction? You know, just ask them. If you don't ask, don't expect people to wait around. You know, not everyone's going to be thinking about everyone else because I mean, humans can be quite selfish and they want to get their shred on, or maybe they're just Strava kings and queens and they want to be as fast as they can, whatever their reasoning is. I'm not here to judge, uh, but I am here to kind of poke fun at those individuals because I think sometimes people forget that not everyone's on the same level and you kind of need to meet you, them where you're at and vice versa. All right. All right. Got to support one another, folks. All right. Tip number eight, start to then ride more difficult trails, but caveat, I want you to remind yourself that you can walk a section that may be uncomfortable to you. You need to give yourself permission to walk. You need to give yourself permission to just call it totally up to you, but start to then build up, you know, after you've started out slow, after you've, you know, ridden with friends who are a little bit more skilled and things that you want to improve, then start to ride the more difficult trails, but give yourself the damn permission to walk. That's fine. There's no shame in walking. Cause guess what? You get to ride another day. Tip number nine. <sighs> visualize success. What the hell does it look like for you to clean a troublesome or difficult section of trail? I want you to visualize yourself getting through that damn section. If you find that you're thinking about making a mistake though on the ride or on the feature, then I want you to just take a deep breath and refocus on that success again. Refocus on visualizing that success. If that thought can't be shaken off, then today is not the day for you to try that feature. If you absolutely cannot shake off that thought, and that is the thought that you keep coming back to is that you're going to crash, you're going to crash, you're going to crash. It is not the day for you to do that feature. Make it another day. Try it another day. It's just not going to be today. As Remy uh, likes to say, if you don't see it, don't do it. And it's such a simple phrase, but I wholeheartedly agree. And this is from a professional mountain biker, mind you. If you don't see it, don't do it. And he's very big on visualizing because he does some massive, massive features. Oh my goodness. So many gap drops or gap jumps rather. He's just such a beautiful rider to watch. I I love watching him ride. (laughs) Um, All right. So visualize success. Now, visualization is something that you can work on with a professional therapist especially a sports therapist. This, this is what they literally specialize in. And this is what makes Olympians so good because they usually do that work with a sports therapist. They're usually doing a lot of visualization and a lot of skill work around that because visualizing your success in something is generally what will lead to you doing and, and being successful in that, in that particular act. But you also have to take action on it, okay? All right. Last but not least, tip number 10. <sighs> Eat and hydrate well before your rides. Uh, starting off as a health coach and with my business a few years ago, that's, that's actually what I started off with. Um, before I started having health, health coaching clients ask me for programming because <laughs> they got wind that I love to program. Anyways, if you're not well-fueled or, or hydrated, you have no business riding. Please, for the love of all that is holy, <laughs> pack some damn snacks and prevent bonking. This is one of the simplest things that you can do to help with your performance and to help with you just feeling good. 
eat and hydrate well before your rides. So even though you're riding that day, I will say even your fueling the day before, maybe even the day before that is going to impact your riding that day, especially if you've been riding or lifting or doing something else or running. If you're chasing your kids, I mean, I don't know, whatever it is for you, if you're doing a lot in that week and those days leading up to that ride, you really need to be optimizing your fueling and, and hydration. Hydration, I like to aim for at least 50% of your weight in pounds. So take your weight in pounds, divide it by two, take 50% of that, all right? And then that's how many ounces you should be getting. So if you're about 140 pounds, for example, you should be getting a minimum, minimum 70 ounces of water per day or clear, clear liquids. That is um, baseline. So if you're sweating on top of that, you should be getting at least, you know, 12 to maybe 20 ounces per hour of heavy breathing and or sweating. Because even if you're not sweating, you're still giving out water and your hydration through your breathing. And it doesn't matter if it's in winter, summer, fall, spring, it doesn't matter. A lot of times I'll notice folks do underhydrate during the winter months because it's cold. And, you know, what they're not realizing is that they're actually giving off a lot of hydration through their breathing, especially if you're in a drier climate, like here in Colorado, we're in a dry climate. We need to make sure that we're staying hydrated. So that's, that's the baseline It's 50% of your body weight in pounds. Then you're going to drink that in ounces of water and clear liquids. If you're a saltier sweater, you tend to get that like white powder or film or on your body or on your shirts and hats and stuff like that, then you need to go ahead and supplement with an electrolyte. Whatever electrolyte is good for you, go for it. I personally, I drink Scratch, S-K-R-A-T-C-H. They are based out of Boulder, Colorado. Shout out to Scratch. I personally love them for hydration products. I also really like Noon Hydration, N-U-U-N. Um especially their endurance formula, it tends to be a little bit more favorable for more endurance events, especially with like mountain biking, road cycling, gravel, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's all about hydration. Now, in terms of food, this is kind of, it's a talking about nutrition and kind of trying to summarize it in like a minute is very difficult, but ultimately try to eat some damn carbs and protein before your bike ride. So preferably like eat a full balanced meal. And when I say balanced, I mean, have some carbohydrates, have some protein, have some fats. That is a balanced meal because you have the main components of, a me- of your nutrition, right? Fats. So you're thinking olives, olive oil, guacamole, avocado, nuts, seeds, things like that. Then you have carbohydrates. So think of carbohydrates in terms of, you know, starchier items, starchier carbs. Um, can also include fruits. That's totally fine, like bananas. But ideally, things like potatoes, rice, those are fantastic carbohydrates to help fuel you for your venture that's going to be happening soon. Kodiak cakes, if you're a fan of Kodiak cakes, that's another option. Uh, oatmeal, you know, oats, things like that. Now, of course, if you're gluten-free, obviously get the gluten-free options, you know. <laughs> this is going to be blanket advice for everyone. Protein, this is going to be meat products, could be protein supplement powder, could also be tofu, seeden, whatever it is for you. Beans, beans do have protein and carbs in them. They also have a crap ton of fiber. That is the one thing I don't really recommend right before you ride, like within an hour before you ride, I don't recommend eating a very highly fibrous meal because you're going to be a fart machine and you're going to feel uncomfortable and it won't be pleasant when you're on the bike. Okay. So that is the one thing I don't recommend right before your meal or right before your ride, 
but a couple of hours before you ride, have a fully balanced meal. Gives you plenty of time to, to, you know, digest. Have some water with that meal, about 16 ounces or so. Then within that hour window before you actually go for a ride, preferably like 30 to 60 minutes or so, my sweet spot is right around 45 minutes. Have a more simpler carbohydrate. You know, I'm a big fan of, and you're probably going to burn me at the stake for saying this, I eat damn cereal. I love cereal. Cereal makes me happy. I like the Cascadian Farms Graham uh, squares, whatever the hell they're called. They're kind of like golden grams, um, but they they do have a little bit more like whole grains in them. And it's not to say that golden grams is bad. It's just, I want it to be a little bit of a fast and slow burning carbohydrate for me. And this is again, what works for me. Some people I work with, they like to have like a little thing of oatmeal um, with some fruit and honey on it. And again, you're, you're trying to have a little bit more of a simpler carb, but you're trying to balance it out with like maybe a little bit more of a complex carb. Play around with it. You know, it should be just a serving based on the serving size that's on the box, you know, whatever it is. Um, if it's a potato, like maybe it's a half of a baked potato with some salt, you can go ahead and make this a Euro type of snack beforehand. That's totally what they do in Europe. Uh, especially like Germany and things like that with like a little bit of ham, um, you know, whatever it works, works for you. You know, it's just ideally play around with it, but just make sure that you're fueled because if you're not fueled, you're not going to be enjoying life. You're going to be bonking. You're not going to be performing. You're going to be like me coming down snow mass ass over key kettle or whatever the hell it is. (laughs) Ass over tea kettle. Why does that not sound right? whatever I'm saying. Um, endoing basically endoing. I don't want you to endo. All right. Let's, let's end the endoing, uh, once and for all. And I just want you to feel good. So let's wrap these up. Uh, recap 10 tips. Remember courage is the act of feeling fear, but showing up anyways. Tip number one, depending on the severity of crash, make sure you heal up fully recover. Don't rush your recovery. Tip number two, reflect on what you learned from the crash. What, what are you going to get out of it? What are you going to prevent next time? Maybe do you need to take uh, some skill lessons? Whatever it is. Then, number three, are your bike and gear suitable for what you're riding? Make sure that your bike matches the terrain that you're on. Make sure that your suspension is dialed and your dropper post <laughs> is the proper fit for you uh, and that your brakes are working. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people have a uh, crash because their brakes just weren't completely dialed or suspension wasn't dialed. All right. Uh, number four, give your fear a name. Don't make it elusive. Identify it. Number five, talk with someone, talk about your fear with friends or a professional, whoever that is, your riding buddies, you've got to talk about it. Try not to bottle it up. Number six, start out slow. Pick the terrain that you are more comfortable. You're, you're more close to hundred percent comfortable riding on. All right. Build that confidence. Number seven, ride with friends who are more skilled at the thing that you need to improve, depending on what you did during your crash. Number eight, start to then ride more difficult trails, but give yourself permission to walk whatever feature you might feel uncomfortable with. Number nine, visualize success. You know, what does it look like for you to clean that section of trail? visualize yourself getting through that section. What would it look like if you were successful? If you find yourself thinking about making a mistake and you're continually thinking about that, you know, maybe it's not the day for you to ride it. Give yourself a pass. If you don't see it, don't do it. All right. And last but not least, eat and hydrate well before your rides. And please know that that last tip 
That's going to take some exploration on your part or working with a coach like me or someone else. Because unfortunately, we're not all the same and we all might need different things for our own activity level and how much muscle we have on our body right now and things like that. All right. All right, friends. Well, I hope that these tips really help you overcome the mental obstacle that you might be having difficulty with right now. Remember, you can have all of the knowledge in the world about what to do after a crash, but action is what makes things happen. So don't forget to take action on whatever it is that you're working on. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. I really, truly appreciate you. And seriously, making shift happen fam is the best fam in the world. I'm convinced. So please share this episode, subscribe and rate it if you love it and be sure to tag me. So that way I see it because if you don't tag me, I actually don't see it unless you're in the algorithm and I, and I happen to see you. I will see you next week. I hope you go and make today amazing and ride some of that shit that scares you. All right. Love you all. Bye.